Hello, and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Ergie Pongo, and my calling is to explore movement and identity as they relate to body image and self-image. On this podcast, we share transformational stories from people in the field of movement science. We have conversations about healing and strengthening. Plus, we connect with people who have unique relationships with their bodies. If you're interested in discovering how movement science can impact your relationship with your body, we invite you to book a free consultation with Pongo Power Personal Training. Pongo Power will provide you with a complimentary movement analysis and goal setting session. Through understanding how our bodies move, our lives are transformed. Welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Ergie Pongo, and my guest today is Dr. Emily Splickle. I am so delighted to welcome you, Dr. Emily. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So Dr. Emily is the founder of Naboso. She is also the founder of EBFA, which is the Evidence-Based Fitness Association, a global educational center. And as well, Dr. Emily is a podiatrist. Full disclosure, I have been to Dr. Emily to talk about my feet. (laughs) And I brought my husband too. (laughs) So Dr. Emily, this podcast is all about, you know, just the intersection of self-image with body image and how we discover ourselves through movement. What, you know, you're, you are such an incredible force of nature in terms of educating people about their human existence. What was it like for you though, as a child, like who were you when you came into the world? What was your identity before all of the education, Mm -hmm. learning and teaching? Yeah. So before the Dr. Emily, um, (laughs) so I, I was actually a gymnast, a competitive gymnast from six years old. And I remember my mom telling me because I have a two-year-old now, and she's exactly like me where she has to be climbing everything. She's in gymnastics and she just loves to be like a monkey climbing things and hanging and using her own body weight, which I was the exact same way. I absolutely love body weight movement, body tension movement. So I was a competitive gymnast for 13 years from age six to age 20. And then after 20, obviously got through college, but then I actually did competitive uh, track cycling. So I was on the velodrome. So if you're familiar with that, there's actually a velodrome in Queens and I did track cycling. Um, And I did that for several years. And then I got into the fitness industry because of my love of using my body. And anytime I feel that there's an emotional, like I feel a little bit lost and I can't identify what it is emotionally, I go back to my roots or my foundation, which is connecting to my physical body through exercise, through fitness. And if I even do like a stretch session at the gym or kettlebells or something like that, like an abs class, just something that I leave feeling so much better because of me connecting to my physical body again. And that's, that's where I find 
the gymnastics instilled that in me. And then the competitive athlete instilled that. And then now it's just so part of my identity and how I actually regulate and find me again. Mm. Fitness and movement. Yeah. You know, being in an inquiry where we ask ourselves, who am I? It can really seem like such a luxury in this, you know, global pandemic that we're facing. Um, And I think a lot of people are asking themselves that, did you have a time in your life, you know, being as you are a physical person, I, I think there's a sort of a conception of from people who are not, uh, who don't identify as physical, you know, there's a, this sort of a perception like, oh, well, you, you, you have this physical gift, you have it figured out. And that's not for me. Is, is there something like that you would say to invite someone to be physical who, who is not physical already? Um, yeah. So I think some of the issues with fitness and movement is that there's an automatic comparison of what your perception of what you should be, <laughs> whether that's how strong are you? How flexible are you? Can you keep up with other people in the class? Does it seem graceful as other people? So kind of depending on what your movement is or what your fitness regimen may be, is that there's an element of I should be better at that. Um, So I guess one of my biggest recommendations or advice would be to humbly go into it. Um, And one of my mentors, Mike Fitch, who's the founder of Animal Flow, has often said, be good at being bad. And it's it's scary as an adult also to be bad at something and to like not know anyone. Um, actually, part of my identity now of who I am is I'm not just into fitness and movement, but I do aerials. And so part of my identity is I'm an aerialist. I'm 41, so I'm not ever going to be part of Cirque du Soleil. But I do aerials <laughs> and I've been doing it for the, the past five years. And I, so I started aerials at 36, didn't know anyone walked into the studio in New York city and was just like, I'm curious. And I was awful <laughs> and I'm used to like being stronger, like the stronger in the group or the more flexible in the group. And then suddenly I was like on the bottom of it. And I had to very humbly put my ego, I left my ego at the door, put any of my pride and fears aside. And just like, I came in with so much excitement. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing, like I'm climbing this fabric. I'm (laughs) hanging upside down. Like it fed my soul. Oh my God. In such a way that I would never expect. And now I'm, I'm so, so hooked on it. Mm -hmm. So probably like be humble. Don't compare yourself, leave your, leave your ego at the door and whatever it is that speaks to you is, is go with it and do it. You know, um, one of mine that I'm doing now that I'm going to start in January is figure skating. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a figure skater. And mm. I was like, there's a ice rink in Arizona where I live now is there's of course an ice rink in the desert. And that's where I'm going <laughs> to learn to do figure skating. 
And I'm like, I'm 41 learning it. I have to be humble again to then like learn these skills, but I'm so excited for Mm. that. Yeah. I, I think that that is true. You know, I feel myself every day that I work out, I'm like, I literally have to say to myself, well, this is where I'm at today and that's okay. And you know, this fascia is tight and that muscle is sore and stiff, but I have to just let it go and be humble and, and accept my body in order to go through the process of working out. Mm-hmm. So, so then you're, you're a gymnast, you're an athlete. What happened when you left home for the first time? How did you start to develop your career as a physical um, practitioner? How did you become a doctor and a podiatrist? Yes. So I realized at age 20 that being a gymnast would not ever be my career. I have to let that go at some point, right? (laughs) There's kind of a ceiling to that sport and 20s pushing it. Um, (laughs) So it's like, okay, I got my bachelor's in forensic science. And then I got a job in New York City at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. I was doing DNA research um, and was planning on getting a PhD in forensic science. And I was doing this. I was very unhappy looking out the window in the summer of all the people in New York City on the street. And I was like, I can't do this. I need to be moving. (laughs) The whole point of it is I need to be moving, right? It's part of my like DNA because of so many years of, of being a gymnast. So I quit, walked into a crunch fitness and was like, I want to be a personal trainer. I didn't even know what this was. And they looked me up and down and were like, okay, you look like a trainer. You're hired. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I was awful. Awful. And then, but it, I got the bug. And that goes back to it being a scary opportunity. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything about being a personal trainer. I had to go in very humble and right. Kind of this world opened up, but it spoke to my soul and intuitively or in a way that I couldn't put words to, I felt at home. Mm. Mm. Um, So I knew that fitness was for me. Now that's when I was 20, 21. And then I started getting hurt because I was also teaching classes, group exercise after 13 years as a competitive athlete. And then you're going to try to do, you know, 20 spinning classes a week and, and all of this stuff that my body was just starting to break down. And I was like, fitness is speaking to my soul, but it's not sustainable in being group exercise and a personal trainer where people cancel. And like, it just, I was like, I need something a little bit different. Like, how can I mold this into what it works for me? Um, So I started looking at medical schools and graduate school within the physical therapy, podiatry, chiropractic space. Um, And then I got accepted into podiatry school, which is in New York City. They have one. Got accepted, um, started it, but I kept doing fitness the entire time. And as I was going through podiatry med school, um, I kept doing the fitness the entire time and would start applying the concepts to my clients and then started exploring it. And I was like, how can I bring feet, foot health, connect it to movement and fitness? And then that kind of started 
my next passion, which is what I am now, when I grow up, that's what I do is I connected that. (laughs) Well, I mean, that is how I met you initially as a personal trainer. I signed up for your course on barefoot training. Barefoot training was all the rage. And as a personal trainer, I just knew like, this seems like such a bad idea for people to embark on that journey without preparing the fine motor coordination and the muscle activation that goes into having a bare foot, you know, after your foot has been in a sling, like a shoe, and you have all this motor amnesia going on, you know, I really wanted to be able to teach my clients about how to train properly using barefoot training. And your course was really, um, it was pivotal in my career. We, we now, all of the Pongo power trainers are now barefoot certified by Dr. Emily. Mm -hmm. And we take great pride in telling our clients that a podiatrist certified us (laughs) that we don't, we don't mess around. And so, so how did you discuss, like, what is it about the foot that had you uh, light up and, and feel inspired that why the foot in particular? I think that was by accident is <laughs> <laughs> that I got accepted into podiatry school and like, this is kind of the real, the honest truth of it is that I was like, I need to be able to still do fitness. Like it was just my thing. And being in New York city was also part of my identity at that point. So it was like, fitness and New York city and movement was just like who I am. It's my soul. It's just where I was. And then podiatry school happened to be in New York city and had a little bit of flexibility that I could still have some clients at night or teach an evening spin class or something. So I was able to do both of those. Now I started podiatry school and I was like, what am I doing? Like feet are disgusting (laughs) to like cut these toenails and this fungus and, you know, feet are like, right. So I was like, well, feet are fascinating when it connects to movement, right? So the complexity of the human foot and how it transfers energy and then the skin and the nerves in the bottom of the foot, how that connects to the brain and the core and all the stuff that I teach within my courses. That's cool. Like that's sexy stuff, right? So I was, that's what resonated with me. That's what I attached to. And that's what I wanted to really make my mark in. And it fits the story of fitness and movement, which is like the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when I was going through podiatry school, I actually had to take a break or quit. <laughs> the theme here is don't quit things, but I paused, paused it, and then went back to school and I got my master's in human movement. And my master's in human movement is really the glue between my fitness background my podiatry degree, and then right here in between the glue is going to be my master's in human movement. And that's how I connected them. Um, So it was really important for me to pause my podiatry journey so I could get this connection. And then I went back and of course I finished residency. I'm licensed and I did surgery for for five years and stuff like that. But um, I needed to connect it in a way that was unique and true to me and that I could share that knowledge with the world and like with your, your team of trainers 
because of having that unique background that, you know, I feel like if you, if you're given this unique background and perspective at something, you have to share it. (laughs) So I share, I share it. And that's what I love to do is, is share that knowledge. Mm. And so that, wow, I can only imagine what it is like to be conducting surgery on a foot. I have no idea what it's like to cut into the human body. Uh, <laughs> um, what was that like to be a surgeon for a while? Because I, when I think of you, I think of, of, of the exterior. I think of all these people benefiting <laughs> in the world. I, I, what is like being a surgeon? Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun. I like it. I like the perception of it, right? This is the other thing of like, some people do things because they sound good or it looks good on paper, but then you're like, is that really feeding your soul? And are you passionate about it? I'm passionate about the mystery of movement. So I think that goes back to my forensics degree is because my background is in forensic. I look at things like a detective. And that's the way that my mind works. It's just like puzzles. I love puzzles. So I I would look at someone with a movement dysfunction or chronic pain or glute inhibition or whatever it is, right? And then be the detective and assess the movement and muscle testing and gait assessment and stuff like that to determine kind of the cause and then the solution to it. So I, so I really like that. Uh, my parents loved to say that their daughter was a surgeon, but that is everyone knows you do not do things to make your parents happy because <laughs> that will not work. Um, so yes, I, I liked it. It pays really, really well, but it was not my calling. Yeah. I mean, when I first started following you, um, I used to listen to a lot of your, um, a lot of your other podcasts, which is why I'm so honored you're on my podcast today. And one of the things I think that stands out in your career is that you also see yourself as a disruptor. And um, and so what is it that you're disrupting exactly? And I say that humbly. Like I, the, my theme here is also humble. Like I don't want to be like, oh, I'm a disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try to challenge conformity or to challenge things when appropriate. And in podiatry, there's a lot of very traditional ways that things are done or taught or recommended to patients, particularly around orthotics and footwear and very biomechanical based versus fascial and neurological, things like that. So I started to kind of question what was being taught and just thinking independently that, you know, if 99% of podiatrists, if you have plantar fasciitis will say, stretch your calf by leaning against a wall and dropping your heel down. I'm like, why is that the stretch that everyone is recommending when technically the research doesn't support it? So I would just kind of try to challenge and poke holes and things like that. Um, But where I became more disruptive is really in the barefoot science space and the minimal shoe space and saying, no, patients don't need orthotics. No, patients don't need structured shoes. And then Naboso, for any of the listeners who don't know what Naboso is, it's a 
textured sensory product line to stimulate the nerves in the bottom of the feet. And we have insoles, socks, release tools, flooring, mats. So whatever the foot could potentially interface, we have products that stimulate those nerves. And it has had a profound effect on people's foot function, foot circulation, foot recovery. Professional athletes are using it. Uh, Your facility uses our mats and things like that. So you're using it to just help people connect to their feet and their glutes and their core when they squat better. So it's, you know, everyone can benefit from it. And then we have a lot of people with neurological conditions like neuropathy and stroke, and they'll use our products and they can actually walk completely different. So it's, it's really seeing a benefit from that disruption. And, you know, that, that disruption is me also saying, you know, no orthotics or insoles don't have to have an arch to them. Ours are totally flat. And, you know, changing, um, you know, traditional thought or associations to words that relate to the feet and function and movement. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, you know, based on the fact that we simply even just wear shoes all day long, most people are perfectly happy to ignore their feet if they can. (laughs) And the fact is that the foot connects us with the earth, you know, the foot is there for us receiving information from the earth every day. And um, also the small nerves in the foot are very instrumental in how the human writing system works, right? In terms of our posture. And so it sounds like Naboso technology is this uh, vehicle to stimulate the small nerves. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And a lot of people don't realize it because exactly what you said that we're in shoes and we kind of tune out or don't pay attention to our feet, uh, which is just the result of years being in cushioned shoes, right? We're led to believe that cushion is comfort, support is comfort, and that's not necessarily true. Um, and I think that a lot of the minimal shoes out there have done a really good job of paving that path. So now kind of I'm following that or layering onto that, which all of our products are actually footwear accessories. So we're just like foot accessories and then there's footwear, right? And they both, they both play a really important role. But for any of the listeners, if you've never thought of your feet before, once you start, this whole world kind of opens up of how powerful they are. Yeah. So you sell insoles that go into the foot, into the shoe, I should say, correct? Mm-hmm. And then the mats, which are yoga mats, but they are really for exercise. We use them for our clients for weightlifting. Um, Are there other accessories as well? Yes. And then we have a release ball. It's called a neural ball. And it has the same pyramid texture and pattern across it. Um, I'm not sure if this is on the video that people can see, but I'll just show you the texture. So you can see that there's little pyramids across everything or like a braille pattern for those that don't see that. Um, And we have uh, sensory sticks, which are two pound weights that have that same texture across them. That's used as a release tool and an activation tool. And then we just launched our socks. Oh, Naboso socks. (laughs) That's really exciting. (laughs) I'll never forget buying my first runner's sock. You know, I had been running in these cotton socks 
that my, my feet were like peeling <laughs> because there was so much moisture, like pooling in my shoes <laughs> and getting that first like technical tool to aid me in my desire to go on this journey as a runner really helped me to feel prepared for the activity, the actual movement. Wow. So, so now you're in Arizona and you are located in your educational center. Is that correct? Uh, Yes. So right now I'm sitting in the Naboso headquarters and part of Naboso HQ is that this is where we do our fulfillment. Um, This is where our offices are. So for myself, my husband is our co-founder. He's our CRO. And then we have a space that is for education. So fitness and wellness education. So any of those amazing certifications that people offer throughout the States, we host those as well. And then right stepping that way is my podiatry office. And in my podiatry office, I then see patients and I specialize now in my podiatry practice in chronic pain, movement dysfunction and movement disorders. So it's a very niche type of practice. I actually don't do traditional podiatry. I could, if someone had an ingrown toenail or something, I could treat it, but I just, I don't, I do almost everything entirely um, functional medicine based or regenerative medicine based. Mm -hmm. And so if, so if someone is suffering from chronic pain, you could perform a gait analysis and look and see how they're walking, how their entire human movement system is moving. And then would you, what would you prescribe? I guess it really depends on the individual. Yeah. I try to give, uh, I'll call them a corrective exercise. Some people might think of it as physical therapy, but Physical therapy sounds like it's a short-term prescription or solution plan action where I like to have things be more like lifestyle changes that whatever I recommend, if it's stimulating your feet, transitioning to minimal shoes, um, activating your pelvic floor, connecting your feet to your core. So I give different techniques that are therapy or corrective exercise based. And then sometimes I'll do custom orthotics, even though I said earlier that I try to get people out of them but sometimes there's a time and place for them. And then sometimes I will do stem cell injections. So that's for chronic tendon or connective tissue injury. I will do stem cells. And then after that, I will still give the corrective exercise or the therapy programming. And that's that's a really important part of it is if you have chronic pain or a chronic movement disorder, like let's say a stroke or Parkinson's or something like that, A lot of the issues that I see or that people deal with are chronic slash quality of life issues, which means they're not, they're not emergencies. They're not medical emergencies, right? But they're really, really important. And if you can do just a couple things every day consistently to help you connect your physical body, which was the whole first, you know, sentence that we were talking about is how do you connect your physical body It'll calm your autonomic nervous system. It'll make you feel safe. You'll feel more movement confidence. So I'm all about movement confidence. And movement confidence is based off of your perception of yourself and where your physical body is in space. If you can't feel yourself, you won't be able to connect to your movement or to your emotions. Um, so that's really important to me. Uh, and that's where I, I do use Naboso a lot with my patients. 
but it could be go do grounding. So stand outside for 15 minutes to ground, use compression apparel so that you can feel your body, um, you know, go into minimal shoes, use the Naboso socks, do diaphragmatic breathing. So there's like a myriad of things that I do, um, but it's really based on lifestyle habits or rituals, if you want to call them like a ritual or a regimen. And for the purpose of movement confidence and movement longevity. Mm-hmm. Well, there are four aspects to body image. There's the way we see ourselves, which is perception. Then there's the way we feel about the way we look, which is affective. And then there's what we think about our bodies, which is cognitive, which is, you know, your beliefs. And then the things that we do in relation to the way we look, which is behavioral. And so it sounds like your practice is really holistic, that you are, you are, you are helping and engaging in the conversation of, of how we identify in the world um, on a holistic level. Uh, but your but your initial entryway was fitness and podiatry. I I just think it's so wonderful that you that you you did commit to learning about the the biology and the anatomy because you know there's so many different um, kind of exterior um, solutions that people come to that it's on the surface it's sort of surface level but how we transform our lives is is so internal it really is a in, interior journey and so i think it sounds like from your journey you really shared that that with other people fully and completely yeah i i do think that the medical traditional you know foundational concepts on biomechanics and pathology and surgery and like very Western medicine, right? Like that, that's really important to understand the ins and outs and the exceptions and the gray in between everything. But then I think it's just my own curiosity in the stuff that you're describing is this deeper identity of self and, you know, self-fulfillment and who am I and emotion, right? All of that stuff that that is harder to teach in a traditional Western medicine approach because you can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't see it. It can't be studied and consistently repeated in the same way because it's very complex. It's subjective in many ways, right? Um, but I've just found that that's one of the most important aspects of it. And some of that was from my, me being slightly disruptive also, or just curious maybe. And starting to see that if I had two patients with the exact same physical presentation and like the same MRI, let's say with consistent tissue damage, but one person was still running marathons and had no problem. And this other person is like, you know, debilitated and just on the couch and in severe pain. Like why, why is one very different than the other when they on paper look exactly the same from a Western medicine perspective, right? And I started seeing that and I was like, there's something deeper here. There's the connection to the body. There's the interpretation. There's the lens through which they look at their condition in a sense. Um, And then I wanted to just kind of peel that onion a little bit and 
Yeah, that's that is now why I practice the way that I do, which is very holistically. And I honor those things. I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert in any of those, but I honor and I respect them when people come in with various emotional presentations. Mm. And so what would be your piece of parting wisdom to share when it comes to chronic pain? You know, I think that um, it's very easy to identify as our pain um, because of the nature of being in a global pandemic. You know, people are suffering and, and it's a, uh, people are isolated. So um, if, if you start to sort of be like, oh, that's just the way I am, you know, how would you, how, what would you invite someone to consider who identifies with their pain as their identity? Yeah, that's a really hard one. <laughs> I, I, and, and here's the thing is that um, people with chronic, people who have never had chronic pain can't ever really understand what someone who's living in chronic pain feels like, right? Um, so that's the the first thing of any listeners who are saying that is kind of like, we hear you, like you hear them, right? You're hosting this podcast and you're curious about this, right? So you, you're you heard, you're heard, you're chronic pain is being acknowledged, right? So we understand this, but the mind is a very powerful thing. It can totally succumb to this as your identity and your, who you are is just so part connected to that pain, but it's also very powerful in the sense that it can separate you from and allow you to realize that you are not your pain. And again, this is me speaking of, I've had periods of chronic pain and, you know, serious sports injuries that would take me down a rabbit hole where you do start to get in your head. Um, So I do honor and respect anyone. And it is harder than just telling someone this. Um, So maybe being open to it, um, exploring any resources or professionals out there that can give you the skills take it one day at a time. Um, It cannot be fast fix. Uh, Most of my chronic presentation patients, I'm just very straightforward for them. And I'm like, this is a long haul. This has to be consistently doing something every single day. Mm -hmm. Small changes are actually bigger impacts. So something small every day makes a bigger impact than throwing a whole bunch of things on a short term. It's not sustainable. And then you shut down. So that that that's kind of hopefully not vague advice, but that would be my advice. No, I, I don't think it's vague. I think that, you know, in this world we're living in now, the modern world with the information age, um, it's every little bit of information seems to be available at any given time just through the internet. But that alone does not lead to healing. You know, just it is really about being open to, you know, coaching or learning about our bodies and also being open to the, it is a marathon. Our lives are a a long-term prospect Mm -hmm. and it is not a sprint. So any little daily things that we do, there's a a bit of compound interest there. And, Mm -hmm. and so how do we make sure that we are engaging in long-term sustainable Mm -hmm 
activities and solutions so that we can feel the sense of healing and peace Mm -hmm. that comes with um, wellness. So, Mm -hmm. and it's not simple for anyone, I don't think, although I agree, if you do not have chronic pain, it is very hard to understand chronic pain. I know because I have a scoliosis and um, my, my husband does not, he does not have chronic pain. <laughs> and so there's a very different element to my need to work out and his, his workout regimen. It's for him, it's not to alleviate pain. It's to, mm-hmm. it's for his own reasons, which is, is perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining Movement, the Science of the Self today. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And if you are interested in Dr. Emily's technologies and tools, you can go to naboso.com. Is that correct? Yes, that is N-A-B-O-S-O.com. All right, Dr. Emily, thank you so much. It's a, such a privilege and a pleasure to be with you on the show today. Thank you. All right. Have a happy new year and enjoy 2022. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining me, Ergie Pongo, your host on Movement, the Science of the Self. Hey, thank you for tuning into the show and listening. If you're interested in understanding how your body moves, Pongo Power offers a complimentary fitness assessment and goal-setting session. This 55-minute appointment is completely free, and you can do it through the magic of Zoom in the comfort of your own home. Just book online by heading over to freefitnessassessment.pongopower.com. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years, and I've helped hundreds of humans to gain true physical and mental strength. You can learn more about our team of personal trainers on our website, pongopower.com. When we learn how to exercise safely and effectively, we experience true freedom. On Movement, the Science of the Self, we provide you with the inspiration you need to move your body as you cultivate your own sense of identity. In joining the conversation about how we identify ourselves, Pongo Power is committed to the empowerment of each individual's right to choose. Now go out there and get some movement. Movement.